let's talk about healing, hope, and the possibility of afterlife. As we all will go through some kind of loss at one point in our life, and we will need help to get through it, even if you don't think you do. We're here to help you find your light at the end of the tunnel. Whether it's a dream, a visit, a vision, or a newfound life after loss, we believe life and love never dies. This is Surviving Death and Dying with Trisha and Misty. This is a special episode as we are going to talk to a good friend of mine, Cameron, who lost his mom to a very serious issue that a lot of people are dealing with on a daily basis, and that is substance abuse. I want to thank you for sharing your story with us today, and I hope this helps you work through your loss as well as our listeners. Let's welcome Cameron to our show. Hi, Cameron. Hi. Welcome. Thank you for coming on. Of course. Thanks for having me. It's nice to meet one of Trisha's fellow dancer friends. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I'm curious because I know Trisha knows more of your background and your story, but can you start out by telling us a little bit about yourself? And I know that what we're going to talk about is your mom and her substance abuse. So maybe what that was like growing up. Yeah. So I am a dancer and choreographer. That's yeah. How I know Trish. And um, (laughs) actually my mentor was her roommate at the time. (laughs) Yeah, I moved to LA back in 2008. I'm originally from Seattle. My mom actually was a choreographer. So that's how I got into dance in the first place. Oh, nice. And yeah, she was a studio owner and all of that, you know, it's a different type of grief just because she gave me the gift that I use in my everyday life. That is, that's made me the creator I am today, you know? Right. So you have a lot of the good and the bad. You've got a lot of inspiration from her, but you also had a challenge. Were you aware of her having a substance abuse problem when you were young or when did that become apparent to you? Well, so that's the thing, because I I have a brother and he's seven years younger than me. So we're both grieving, but we have like such different stories, you know, because for me, I got a little bit more of the first side of her, you know, when I was her first child, you know, and and we have different dads. So, you know, I got to spend a lot more time with her when she was in the prime of having her studio and before things went south, you know, so like half of my life was that side of her. And then the other half of my life was more of the substance abuse and, and dealing with coping and dealing with that kind of stuff that she was sick and having to deal with. As we're with my brother, he was too young to know that side of her, you know? Right. So he, he only got more of the other side, you know? And when did, did your mom pass exactly? Uh, she passed away on November 30th last year in 2020. So just over a year now. Yeah, she didn't really use when I was really little. I think she started using more around like 2000 like around the year 2000. So I was like 12, 13 at that time. So still young, but you know, I I was old enough where I have memories prior to that. You know what I mean? Right. So did you notice her having that substance abuse while you were young or was it like after, did she still have the studio when she was using? No, she closed her studio in 1997. And then she, she was teaching like at other studios for like a year after that. But I think what happened was, you know, she wasn't happy in her marriage and 
you know, she was drinking a lot. I think it started with drinking because, you know, not having the studio anymore, that was her whole identity and that was her life. So not having her studio anymore, I think she just fell into a depression. And she also, because of pain she was having with dance, she was already using like narcotics, you know, like for pain. And I think that that's really what started it was her addiction to pain meds. And then it increased into bigger, more harmful substances over time. So did she stop dancing and stop working a certain number of years prior to her passing in 2020? Is there like, can you define a little window of the biggest decline? Yeah, what happened was she, okay, so she had her studio pretty much from when I was born until 1997. That gap from like 97 until like 2000, I think she was just going through life. She was more of a stay-at-home mom, which was the first time she'd ever had to do that. And then by, yeah, like 2000, I think she was starting to use, but it wasn't becoming a huge issue until like 2003, which is when I moved in with my dad. So she pretty much, you know, like she was getting eviction notices. She wasn't paying the rent. She was in the middle of a divorce it was starting to affect, you know, her personality, her mood swings and her depression overall. And I think once she realized she wasn't in a position to be taking care of my brother and I, that's when she had Eric, my brother, go move with his dad. And then I moved with my dad. I was about 14 at the time. So I was a teenager and my brother was seven. And then she got clean. Well, no. Okay. So this is what happened. Actually, it's funny we're talking about this because I was just venting to my dad about it because We don't really go deep into talking about my mom for some reason, but we did for once finally. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it was like on his way, taking me to the airport, leaving. (laughs) Yeah. On the end. Yeah. Like let's use the last few seconds to actually connect. And that way you could have a very limited time speaking about it because it has to stop. (laughs) You know, that's, that's boys. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Okay. But it was good. You talked. What did you talk about? Yeah. I was telling him that I think I just have a lot of trauma when it comes to you know, like as I'm older, the the pieces are connecting more, you know, because now I'm in my 30s. So things I wasn't understanding or didn't have the comprehension of at a young age, now I, I see more, you know, and so it makes me understand her more, but it also makes me more resentful, you know, like I feel like when she had to give us up, that should have been a reality check as to, okay, now I need to work on me and get myself back together to get my kids back. And it was pretty much the opposite. Like now I don't have that responsibility. So now I'm going to get heavier into drugs, you know? Mm. And so I think for me, at least, I can't really talk for my brother, but I still to this day, like suffer with like major abandonment issues. So it triggers me like whether like when I'm dating or, well, not dating, that's like psychotic. But when, once I'm in a relationship, you know, (laughs) Once they're stuck with me, I'm like, wait, but are you staying with me? You know, like things like that. And, and I think, you know, over time she went through a phase where she did go to rehab. She tried to get better and she was sober, you know, and getting state help and everything like to find work, to stay in like shelters that were like for sober people to get back on track. And she had a second chance. The state helped her get an apartment. She got a job and then things were good for a minute. I think that was like 2010. And then by 2012, she was back on the street again. And she never recovered after that. From 2012 until when she passed, she was outside living in the woods. Oh, Oh. wow. So were you around her in those last few years when, you know, it got really bad? Had you lost touch with her? No, I was financially there for her. 
but that's pretty much it. I mean, I got to a point where I just was so fed up with it. And I was realizing that, you know, even me giving her money, it was always like a temporary solution. You know, it was always like a Cameron, like I'm cold. I have no money. I have nothing. Like, can you please help? And it just over time, like, you know, I, I've been dancing professionally for how long now, you know, and done all these tours and I don't even have like a legit savings because those last 10 years were pretty much me, you know, supporting her, supporting her, like getting her hotel rooms, getting her an apartment, you know, like I lost, I got bad credit now because of that, got her a car. She lost that or sold it. You know, it was just like constant things happening to a point where I finally was like, I just kind of cut her off, you know? And like, if she really needed food and things like that, I would get her. I took care of her phone just so I could always stay in touch with her. But towards the end, we were definitely not anywhere near as close as we were leading up to it. I think that last year in 2020, we really didn't talk much. I actually knew she had an issue with meth when I was young. It was always meth, but I wasn't even aware that she was doing heroin until she had already passed away. Oh, wow. Okay. Did you resent helping her? So maybe being that crutch in between? No, because I knew that the money I was giving her, it was to help her get back on her feet. But I knew that it was actually me being an enabler. You know what I mean? Like, the more that I was giving her money, the more it was giving her money to go and abuse her addiction and her habit. You know what I mean? And and though I I wanted to tell myself that wasn't happening, you know, it made me feel better to know I was able to help her financially. But realistically, because she was sick, it wasn't going. uh, Eric, can you turn that down? It wasn't going towards anything. Yeah. Sorry, people that are listening, you know, we're in our houses, you know, so there, there, there is outside noise. <laughs> we're not in a studio. You That's know? <laughs> right. And you said you have a dog that gets jealous. So your dog might chime in. <laughs> yeah. And then my brother's, I think he was like turning up the TV because he probably doesn't want to hear this, you know? Oh, okay. Right. All good. All good. But yeah. So, you know, with time, I just started getting more and more resentful and over it, you know, and, and then, you know, I had like my dad being like, Cameron, you have done enough. If she doesn't want to get better or get help that is on her at the end of the day, you know, he's more of the tough love type of person. And he was right, you know, but it's just kind of hard. You know, it's not like a friend where you're like, you're a mess. I'm done. It's like, that's my mom, you know, like you have to help your family, you know, (laughs) most definitely. Yeah, that's an added challenge with people with substance abuse. You want to help them, but you don't want to also be the enabler. And I know there's a lot of people out there that struggle with that. It's really interesting to hear your story and the timeline from when you were 14, which is a very impressionable, sensitive age. So I get that you would have the abandonment issues, but then as an adult to turn around and financially have to support your mom as well, that's got to be really tough. Do you mind telling us what happened when she did pass or how you found out or where you were? Yeah, she was in Seattle where they live, you know, or where they lived. And I am here in L.A. And then it was also 2020. So like we were like pretty much on house arrest, like no one was going anywhere. You know what I mean? (laughs) So I hadn't seen her literally that entire year once. Like the last time I'd seen her was pretty much the time that she passed a year before, you know, what happened was. She passed away. uh, I think she overdosed, you know, her and her boyfriend at the time were living in a tent out in the woods. And I think they were using and 
you know, my mom's a four foot 11 tiny woman. Like the fact that she even survived and lived that long, honestly, is crazy to me because I kind of sadly like saw that day coming for a very long time, you know? Yeah. So though it was like very sad, it was also kind of one of those things where you're like, almost relieved to know that she's no longer like suffering. You know what I mean? Like at least now she can be asked for forgiveness and be in heaven and be, you know what I mean? Like, you know, so, but yeah, she was found in the woods pretty much alone, you know? And I think that's the part that is like the most sad, you know, going from being this like prestigious businesswoman that so many dancers in the entire Pacific Northwest, like grew up trying to be, or that, you know, she's trained so many working choreographers and dancers that are in LA now, you know, her legacy is definitely behind, but it just sucks that she didn't know how amazing she was, you know, like she didn't realize that she was still that person, you know? And I think, you know, with the using and her being so deep into it, I think she just hit like another level of depression where she knew she couldn't get out. And, you know, like you do burn bridges when you use drugs, like, she didn't have any of her best friends anymore. She didn't really have me as much anymore. And, you know, she didn't really have any friends. She had my brother and her boyfriend, you know? And so I think that that's what makes me the most sad is the fact that someone that amazing, that's how she spent her last seconds was like outside in the woods overdosing alone, you know? Wow. We all know you're a dancer. How has that helped you get through the struggles of the loss of your mom, but also overcoming addiction in your life? It's made my creativity 10 times better. It's made me open my eyes as to like knowing that, you know, like, for example, my, how do you even say this? Like my world is dance. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's all I've ever known and it's all I've ever wanted to do. Like I didn't even do good in school because I knew that no matter what I was going to do, it was going to be in dance. Like whether it was being a teacher, a choreographer, a creative, you know, a mentor, like I was like, I'm opening a studio. I'm going to have my own dance convention. Like I don't need to know science. You know what I mean? Like now that I'm older, I'm like, I kind of wish I went back, but um, (laughs) you know, 2020 made us all open our eyes a little more. I'm like, "Hmm, should I go get that degree now? (laughs) Um, But you know, I think both me and my brother, we, we grieve differently, you know, and also an amazing thing you guys didn't ask, but I'm going to tell you is my brother, he was an addict as well. And after she passed away about six months later, he got clean. He actually tomorrow will be five months clean. Well, congratulations. Yeah, congrats. Congratulations, Eric. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, why are you talking about me? And did you ask my permission? <laughs> right. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, he's five months clean now. And, and he moved here to California. So he's living with me, getting on his feet. And, you know, like I made a promise to my mom a long time ago. She, because, you know, he's been using for a long time too. She was like, you know, Eric and you, you guys are all each other have, and you're both a piece of me. So if I'm gone, you guys need to be there for each other. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. You know, that's, that's the main thing I, I can remember, you know, cause me and my brother were, were close, but over the years we weren't as close. And we also have a seven year age gap between us. So, you know, when I was right. in high school, he was like a toothless, annoying seven-year-old, you know what I mean? And then when he yeah. was 14 in high school, I was already at bars, you know? So right. I was him before. Yeah. I was the young kid. So I get it. Yeah. So you get it. You know, it's like, you know, your family. So of course you're genetically close, but you know, that age gap is it, that's a huge gap, you know, for a teenage boy and like a young adult, you know? Right. And so as we're both getting older, like now he's 
Eric, are you 26 or 27? He's 26. Like, okay. we we're getting closer now because, yeah. you know, now we're both adults. <laughs> right. And now that he's clean, like he's learning so much more about himself. And, you know, like now he's really becoming like, you know, like a person with an identity. So he's doing all the things my mom didn't have the strength to do going to three Narcotic Anonymous meetings a day. Like he's very committed. And that's great. That is great. Yeah. That's hard to do. Yes. That is interesting that you're helping support him. Do you think helping support him has also helped you through the grieving process? I mean, is that something other than I know you've said dance has helped you, but is that one of the other things that you think has helped you through grief? Yeah. I mean, we're close, but we're not like, we don't like really like sit and like talk about things that make us uncomfortable, you know? Right. (laughs) It's hard to talk about those things. I get it. Our family was shut down too. Yeah. So we never really talked about things that really mattered. Like on her birthday, we, we didn't even acknowledge it. Oh, wow. Okay. And we live in the same house. I mean, it was just for us, it's kind of like a, what are we celebrating? Like she's not alive, you know? Yeah, right. I get it. Is there something you do outside of dance that also just helps you cope with all these struggles that you've had to face in life? (laughs) Well, in 2020, that would be going out for a drink. Um, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) uh, (laughs) You know, to be honest, I have a very addictive personality too. So does my brother. It's honestly our whole family. Like, you know, I went through phases where I numbed myself using too. Nothing to that degree, but like, you know, weed and alcohol, you know, and I love a good, a good drink to numb myself, you know? And so that's actually something I'm working on too, is like, I think I was having a hard time grieving and and I'm also someone that holds everything in. So like, I Mm -hmm. really hit breaking points and when I drink, it numbs me. So I would literally abuse it to not feel things, but then I would get so drunk that I would start like lashing out and, you know, like freaking out out of nowhere. Like, where did this bipolarness come from? You know what I mean? So I, it's something I'm learning to control. I'm I'm going to therapy or, you know, doing therapy. Oh, that's good. Um, that's I read a lot of self-healing books, you know, and I, of course I have my dance, like we already discussed having Eric here has been helpful, you know, cause it's like, we don't talk about it, but we both need each other, you know, yeah. <laughs> right. each other's um, crutch. You're there, but you're not really. We're each other's crutch that like occasionally kick it over, you know, right. <laughs> <laughs> You don't have to verbalize it. It's just there. Sibling rivalry. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, even for me, like my New Year's resolution, I honestly, I hate New Year's resolutions because let's be real. Like we're like New Year, new me. And then like three weeks later, we forgot and we're like back to our old habits. (laughs) Yes. Um, (laughs) New Year, new me. Yeah, exactly. Um, But, you know, for me, I guess it's, I'm also in a transitional period, especially with it being the anniversary of her passing. And, you know, I realized during this time, like, I wasn't really healing because I was grieving by also abusing substance, you know? And so I just, I don't want to be that way. And I think that for me, my issue is not having a drink. It's hard liquor. Because if I drink like whiskey or vodka, like I just want to keep going. Okay. If I have a glass of wine, I'm good. Like I'm ready for bed, you know? (laughs) Yep. So my New Year's resolutions, not even to just like stop drinking as a whole, but like to not drink hard liquor and to just be better at like making commitments and plans and sticking with them, Mm -hmm. like building new habits rather than being like, you know, making it a habit to like break 
the new habit I'm trying to gain, you know? Right, right, right. No, that makes sense. Yeah. I like that. New daily habits. That's one of the things I like working on every year. I try to add something new and I try to go, did I do this, this, and this today? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Eating better, all of it. Like, I just think there's so much we can do to just like stimulate ourselves in ways that are going to make us mentally healthier. And clearly I'm not like mentally my healthiest. So physical neglect is not okay during this time. Right. Cause that's definitely going to make my mind and my willpower a lot stronger is, you know, reading these books, eating better, having okay. a glass of wine here and there, but not yes. like, you know, going out and drinking every single night, you know? Right. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. And being yeah. around people that understand that I'm trying to work on being a better version of myself, not being around people that help me move back towards my old habits. Like, right. you know, like, I'm kind of in a place now where I'm looking at what is healthy for me, who's healthy for me, what's triggering for me, what people I know how to be around and go bowling and go to the movies. Or if I don't know how to do anything with them other than drink, like these are toxins and people that I don't need in my life because it's not going to help me move in the direction I'm trying to gain and get to. Right. Definitely. My best friend actually pushed me towards therapy is, was there somebody who pushed you towards therapy or was it the books that helped push you towards that therapy? You know, um, choreographer Hollywood, right? Yeah. Well, he lost his mom a couple of years before I lost mine. So, you know, he had to go through the whole thing that I just started going through. So he, when he found out my mom passed away, he reached out to me and was like, Hey, Cam, like, you know, I went through the same thing and it it never gets easier. You just learn to live with it better. And, you know, people right now, they're going to be like, Oh my God, Cameron, if you need anything, if you need anything, I'm here. But the sad thing is people, they move on. And though you might not have moved on, that's going to be harder for you because you're going to feel alone or you're going to feel like you're constantly bringing things up that people have moved on past. And so he was like, what helped me a lot with that? Cause that is hard is, you know, seeking therapy. So he told me about, you know, some apps for it at the time and, and then like some meditation apps and things like that. And I think once I started doing the online therapy, they started recommending books and recommending things I can do on the outside to make myself feel better and, you know, writing and all kinds of stuff. So, I mean, I need to be more consistent with it. Like I was saying, going into the new year, consistency is the goal. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the main thing is just being consistent with all that. Cause I do get really busy with my career. And so it allows me to put everything on the back burner. And I think I need to find better balance within, you know, making sure I'm making time, not just for my coin, that's the Taurus in me, (laughs) but making time to really take better care of myself, you know? Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. So I know you mentioned that you get visits from your mom as well. Yeah. And some of them are haunting. Can you explain that to us? (laughs) (laughs) Well, okay. Funny story. She used to always tell me and my brother, like if we were disrespectful, (laughs) she would be like, you know what? One day when I'm gone, you guys are going to regret how you treat me and I'm going to come back and I'm going to haunt the crap out of you guys. (laughs) And she would say it as a joke. But like, I remember one time I was, um, well, a few, a few times things have happened where, you know, I teach, I run a mentorship program and I really kind of go by the things my mom taught me or, you know, like my mentors, like Trisha and Andre and everybody. Um, and I'll, you know, I was giving a speech and we were at West Coast Dance. It's like this studio down the street in North Hollywood, but it has these like really heavy metal doors. Okay. Now I'm teaching in this room. And I'm sitting in the middle and all my students are sitting around and I'm just giving them guidance and I'm talking about my mom. And I was like, you know, my mom 
if it wasn't for her, I wouldn't be as intense and I wouldn't be such a disciplinarian when it comes to the way I teach you guys. But of course, when your mom is your mentor, she's not only a stage mom, she's your teacher. So she's on, you know, that ass all the time. I don't know. Am I allowed to cuss? Do we edit that? Um, You're fine. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, are adults watching or listening? Um, but you know, so we're sitting there and I'm talking about that. And literally the door, this metal door just creaks. It just cracks open. What? And everyone in the room is like, wait, what? Cause no one was on the outside to open it. That's and great. I was like, I was like, well, there she goes haunting me, yep. <laughs> you know? And I don't know, like, there's just moments like, you know, you can just feel them, you know, like, yeah. like you can just feel it. Like I have some of her ashes here and I have like a whole corner that's really spiritual where I have candles and all kinds of stuff. Like what's that stuff called that I like put all over the house? Oh, sage. Sage. Oh yeah. <laughs> sage. You know, yep. like yep. I have like that whole corner that's like all those things. And, you know, so I feel like part of her is always in the house, you know? Yeah, that, that's great. Right. Yeah. So it, it doesn't feel, you know, like even if my brother and my dog are like not in the house, like I still feel like someone's in it with me. Right. I don't feel alone. That's amazing. Yeah. And I guess that's, it's comforting, you know? Right. Yeah. It's a good thing. So what you're saying isn't a bad thing. Yeah. She hasn't spooked you or yelled at you, has she? Other than that one no. time with the metal door. Oh, <laughs> the lights did flicker in the same room once. And it was actually on wow. the day that was the anniversary of her passing when I was there see. teaching. There you go. I'll see. And the day before that, her wedding song that she had with my dad, which was like a Luther Vandross song. Like literally, why is this playing in Walgreens? You know, like. <laughs> Amazing. Why is this song from 1986 playing in Walgreens? Because your mom is in control. They're playing it for <laughs> you to hear. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I, I remember like I was going in there on the way to a rehearsal and I came back out to my friend's car and I was like, wait, like, you know, like, why is the song playing at Walgreens? Like, that doesn't play there. Like, you know, <laughs> right. like, usually yeah. it's like a Katy Perry song or, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dua Lipa or something. <laughs> but like, Luther Vandross is playing in Walgreens yeah. at 9 p.m. at night. Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> so knowing that you feel her presence, do you speak her name or speak to her? No, that's, uh, it's weird. I can feel these things. But I'm like, I'm really bad at like praying. I'm really bad at like talking to, you know, like, I don't know. I'm really bad at stuff like that. Like, I feel like I'm talking to myself, okay. you know, yeah. I don't know. It's like, I know there's a higher power and I know that her presence is there, mm -hmm. but like, I feel it, but I don't know how to like connect to it. I don't know how to engage with it. You know, it's a hard thing to do because it took me a while to actually pray and actually talk to both my parents. Yeah. It's a practice. Like you have to like, yes. Yeah. I talk to him every day. So, I mean, I wear my mom's wedding band right here on me. So I, that's her presence with me every day. Yeah. So, so I get that. And the thing too, I think if Cameron does start to talk to her, I think she's going to do more light flickering and she's going to answer you. <laughs> so you have to be ready. <laughs> you know, I feel like I feel her inside of myself more than I ever did. If that makes sense. Like, yes, I say and do things and all I can hear is her. Yeah. And it feels like she's, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it, but I just like, I never felt that way or thought that way when she was alive. But now yeah. I feel her inside of me more than ever. 
Yeah. yeah. That's amazing. It's, yeah. It's her coming out of you. You're sharing her spirit with everybody else. Yes. Literally that. Yes. In a lot of ways, now that she's transitioned over, you can be closer to her than when she was here in the physical world going through her substance abuse. It's like you're forming a different type of relationship with her now. I'm 100% more close and connected to her now than I was when she was alive. Yep. I totally get that. I love that. Have you had any dreams about her? Has she shown yeah. up in any dreams? Oh, yeah. And and the thing is, anytime I like have a dream where she's in it, because the thing is, she has such a distinct voice and laugh that you just like, you can't hear it anywhere else, you know? And <laughs> okay. so yeah. when I like have, and sometimes I'll just have like random dreams where she'll say things like, you know, you need to make sure you're taking care of your brother or, you know, like things like that. But the thing is, I never wake up feeling better. I wake up and have a horrible day every single time. Oh, like it makes me I don't know, like it just it triggers me. It doesn't I don't know. It's a nervous thing. You're like, mom's watching me. What? Is <laughs> yeah, <of> it's <laughs> just like or it's just like I feel like she's there and then I wake up and then it just reminds me that she's not, Okay. you know? Yeah. And so I don't know. It's weird. Like last year, I feel weird saying last year because tomorrow is a new year. So I don't know how that works anymore. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so last year, as in not this year, you know, Yeah. not 2021, but last year in 2020, when she first passed. I was so like numb and I also was still so like angry at her, you know, yeah. like I was yeah. mad. Like I was yeah. like, you left and now I have to live with this, you know? Right. And so yeah. I didn't really react. Like I was very numb. If anything, I was more so like, is Eric going to be okay? Like my first thing was not, how am I doing? Am I going to be okay? It was like, now I need to get my brother off the street. Now I need to make sure he gets clean and sober. Cause I was right. like, I'm not going to have another death in my family due to drugs. Right. Like I right. yeah. refuse, you know? And so right. I didn't make time for myself to feel or take it in. And I was so numb. I didn't start really getting depressed over her death until like maybe like four months ago. Wow. Yeah. yeah. It, it's getting harder now than it was when she passed. Yeah. It takes time. I mean, with my dad settling, passing away without like, we didn't know I'm still grieving right now. It's just now starting to hit me. Yeah. And that was in 2019. Yeah. So I yeah. get where you're coming from, where it's going to take, it takes time to get through that whole grieving period. Because there's so many firsts, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like this is the first, it'll be like the first time I've heard this song since I, and the song makes me think of my mom, or this is the first time I've watched this movie that I used to laugh and love watching with her. You know, there's, yes. there's so many firsts. All the firsts. My, yeah. my first time having spaghetti and thinking of her <laughs> spaghetti, you know, it's like, yeah. there's just always yeah. something or, there's, or, yeah. it, you know, even with dance, like she was my teacher with like jazz ballet and, you know, lyrical. And now I do more like industry, like hip hop and jazz funk type stuff. So, you know, randomly I'll be like, okay, I want to, I want to tap back into my roots because that is what yeah. she gave me, you know? Right. And so I taught like a contemporary lyrical dance, you know, like a month ago. And it just like hit me so hard because that movement I got from her, you know? Right. Yeah. So I feel like I'm like, I'm, I'm honestly continuing her legacy. I'm living through her and I'm giving to the community what her purpose was to give me 
for me to have a purpose to give to them, you know? That's great. Well, it's interesting that you had dreams about her that usually people wake up feeling better, but I'm fascinated. Did any of those, it seems like you've had a lot of dreams. Did any of them feel like when you dreamt that you're like, oh my gosh, this is really her. It's a visitation. Yeah. I mean, that, that feels different though. That feels different than Mm -hmm. when it's like a dream where like you're at a certain place and you're hanging out, like, you know, like, Right. Like some are like a fantasy and some are like more like a, no, this is you talking to me, you know? Right. Like if it's, if it's one where it's like her talking to me, I feel better. Okay. But when it's a dream where we're like, you know, in the dance studio and she's not on drugs. And then I wake up and remember that that's how her last days were spent. I'm pissed. Right. 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 Well, are there any of those visitation dreams, any of them stand out that you can tell us about? You know, honestly, they feel so they don't feel like dreams where you can like remember them. It's like a it's like a moment that just like passes. I don't know how to explain it. But you knew she was there and that made you feel better. Yeah. Like like I know we had a talk and then but it's gone. Yeah. You know, but I know it happened. She was talking to your higher self. So somewhere in your subconscious, you know what she said. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's been times where like I felt her be like voices in my head that are hers, you know, being like, you had no control over what happened to me. That's not your fault that you need to stop beating yourself up. Things like that. That's really her. Yeah, totally. And there's things I felt where like, where I feel like I'm kind of giving up where I'm like, oh, you know what? Like it. And I'm just going to go drink and I'm not going to go to the studio today. I don't want to do this. I don't want to put on this show that I already started choreographing. I don't want to do this job. And, you know, it'll be things where I just feel her being like, now you need to live that purpose more than ever. Turn all of these feelings that you have towards me or towards the situation and and make it like do the opposite of what I did. You know, you have the power. You right now have the power to either go down the same route that I went or to make something of yourself. So do not make the same mistakes I made. Yeah, you are very talented. So do not ever give up on that. You are so talented. And I love watching you dance. And I love hearing you giving stories to other dancers. You're an amazing person. So don't ever stop doing this. Thank you, love. This is your path. And your mom wanted you to stay on this path. Yeah. Don't ever give up. We're here for you as well. I know it's just words, but you're always connected with me. Yeah. And it's nice to know there's other people that have the same grieving, you know, because people like you, you know, like, you know what I'm talking about when I say that people move on, you know? Yeah, yeah, (laughs) exactly. We've all here have lost a parent, so, or both. So we get where you're going through, what you're going through. We don't know exactly what you're going through because no one will. Everyone's unique. Yeah. I love that you guys are doing this. Like, I feel like this must help you grieve to because you're you're bringing light to other people who are going through things that you guys have gone through yourselves you know right exactly this is that's one reason why I did this podcast because of my dad because I hadn't grieved yet and Mm -hmm. this is gave me my first step to start grieving and I want to help other people if they're still not able to grieve yet that one little thing that we might say will help them start that healing process. Absolutely. And it is a process that continues. I mean, you said it yourself, Cameron, it, you know, it doesn't go away. It's finding that new relationship with the person you lost. And it's finding a way to keep yourself motivated from day to day with activities and how you want to live your life. And it does make you look at life differently. Yeah. And you know, that's another thing too, is the connection that I do feel with her is the person that she was when I was little, not the person she was when she passed. Yep. Yeah. Because that's the person I knew. 
Do you know what I mean? Like, I think that's another thing I was uh, trying to say about me and my brother is we have such different relationships with her, you know, like theirs was using and, you know, and, and the thing is like, that's her baby. You know, I got a little more tough love because I was the older one, you know what I mean? And like, he's the baby. So like, you know, like a lot of the things, a lot of the habits and things he's learning are literally from me, even at 26 years old, because my mom would literally cut his pancakes till he was 18 years old. You know what I mean? So he knows a different side to her and they had such a special bond that me and her didn't have. We just had a different one. Mine was with dance and was with her who was this like strong boss woman. You know what I mean? Right. Her and Eric became a lot more codependent on each other towards the end. Mm -hmm. I didn't have that codependency and she didn't have that with me. Wow. So it's really interesting that you've been able to help your brother whose family with his substance abuse problem. And you have, you definitely have the experience of coaching and helping other people. What would you say to other people who are listening that are dealing with substance abuse, either themselves or their own loved ones? Honestly, do not enable them by giving them money. I think that that's something for sure that triggers me is knowing that I didn't help when I thought I was. And if you're someone who uses and people cut you off, don't be mad at them. They're actually doing that because they genuinely do love you. You know, like, I guess you call it tough love. You know what I mean? Like, if you need to hit rock bottom, you you need to do that by yourself. Because if people are enabling or helping you, you never fully hit that rock bottom. You need to literally have no one to call, no one to help you. You need to be at a point where literally you have to figure it out for yourself, you know? Yeah. It's up to that one person to make that decision. Yeah. Oh, funny. Uh, not even, it's not funny, but interesting story is with my brother, when my mom passed, he was grieving of course too, but we pulled the plug with my mom. And that same day I was like forcing him to get into rehab, like the same day, like literally we were staying at a hotel, like two blocks away from the hospital. And I was like, you need to stop using right now, get yourself super sick. And then we'll take you to the hospital. If we take you to the ER, they'll have no choice, but to help find you a bed, you know? And so we had this whole plan, but the thing is he wasn't ready. We were pretty much telling him, this is what you're going to do. And, you know, in that moment, like literally I was chasing him all over the hospital. He was literally running away from me in a parking lot, ran into the woods away from me. Like he was not ready. And I was trying to force it. And then I just gave up. I was like, you know what? Like, it. like, I'm not going to do this because he literally, we got him into the rehab. He left the next morning. So I was pissed. I was like, I'm done yeah. helping you. I, you're cut off. You're done. Like I was just mad. And yeah. then six, seven months later, I'm visiting Seattle because we were there for her, for her funeral, because we didn't have it when she first passed away. When we had the life, uh, life celebration with family and everything. And we buried her Eric that day that we buried her was like, I'm not going to use anymore. And he got super sick. And I took him to the hospital. I was there with him for like over 20 hours of him just like laying there in his own vomit, so uncomfortable and sick. It was like scary to watch. But the thing is, the difference was he was there because he wanted to be there, not because I forced him there. So I waited those eight months. I allowed him to grieve the way he needed to and to honestly probably get more strung out on drugs because he probably, that was how he dealt with it. But I think he hit that rock bottom on his own to be like, look, Cam, now I need your help because I'm ready to make the step because I want to do it. Yeah, most definitely. And we want to also share with our listeners that there is help out there if you are dealing with substance abuse. So please reach out to a friend, 
a loved one or a professional. You can also call the Substance um, Abuse and Mental Health Service Administration Helpline at 1-800-662-HELP or visit their website at samhsa.gov um, to find a treatment location near you. And everything is confidential, free, and they're open 24-7. I help people, if you need that help, you can find it. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us, Cameron. Before we sign off, is there anything else you feel you would like to share with our listeners or talk about that we didn't touch on? I think I just like shared an entire book. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I think the last thing I said was a good way to end it. Awesome. Well, thank you again for sharing just a close personal story with us and our listeners. Of course. I love you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Thank you, Cameron. All right. Talk to you soon. That's it for today. Thanks for listening. We'd love to hear from you. So email us at trisha.misty.tm at gmail.com. Our podcast, Surviving Death and Dying, is available worldwide on Apple, Spotify, Google, iHeart, Amazon Audible, Listen Note, Facebook, YouTube, and more. You can also go to our website, survivingdeathanddying.com, where we have links to the books we talk about. So please like, share, subscribe, and follow. We did it again. We survived death and dying. Another episode. Because we believe life and love never die.